everyone, and welcome back to the 16 millimeter group podcast. I'm Cindy. And I'm Dale. And welcome to our special Sundance Film Festival 2021 episode. Yay! <laughs> you can watch us on YouTube. You can like our videos, leave a comment, and even subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Anchor for bonus content. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Music, and Spotify at 16mm Film Crew Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at 16mm Crew Podcast and on Instagram at 16mm Crew. Okay, so this year we were invited, kind of pushed our way into the Sundance Film Festival. <laughs> um, shout out to my, fan, my friend Cam, Cam Phillips. He set that whole join up uh, with his sister, who actually works for the Institute. So thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. But this is a huge, huge, huge opportunity um, to be a part of some festival. We saw some of the same films. Some films we saw, I kind of, I watched one and Dale watched one. So we're just going to break it down a bit. Um, can, can you tell us, Dale? <laughs> what is the Sundance Film Festival about? Like, what is it? Like, what, like, what does it do? You know what I'm saying? Like, because, you know, for the people out there who aren't, like... Un uninitiated. You know, mm. aficionados. Mm. You know, tell us what, 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 what do these film festivals do for creators? Sundance is basically, I think, like Woodstock for filmmakers, basically. Um, gives you it's one of the premier <laughs> one of the premier uh, film showcases in the world. It's mostly it's the largest independent film festival in the U.S. But it's up there, you know. If you say you want at Sundance, it's on par. Saying you want at TIFF, you know, Cannes, Venice, those are like the big four film festivals you you kind of want to be a part of. So to have your project, no matter how big or small, to be a part of the program is kind of a, an accomplishment in itself. Even if you don't, you know, you know the ones who win an award or become a bigger production that airs in movie theaters, you know, it's still quite an honor to be selected for Sundance. So honestly, it's one of my dreams as, you know, being in the industry, like even though the idea of winning an Oscar or a Grammy sounds good to say I went to Sundance and I got selected to be in Sundance, that's, that's a big, you know, an amazing gift. Yes, absolutely. That's like, you do that as a independent filmmaker, which I think everyone starts off as yeah. <laughs> before you make it big, you know, it's a huge deal and people will come companies, production studios. Like, yeah. They'll come and like buy your movies and then they can distribute it to whomever. So like it can end up on Netflix or it could just be in the theaters. It doesn't matter. So it's brought us some really great films in the past. Tell us, Dale, <laughs> what did you watch? Me personally, I watched Flea. I don't know. I feel like I now. I think I, you've rubbed off on me in a way. I'm becoming a a big documentary person now. I don't know. Ooh, I don't I know. Like I don't like that. I don't like that too much. My association with you has no no stance with Cindy at all. No. But um, no. I, it's Flea. It's, it's it was an amazing documentary. It was about um an Afghan refugee. Um, this is it's about um, a young man and his family fleeing during the first Afghan war, you know, 
with the Mujahideen and Taliban and the Soviets and all that at the time. Um, amazing story. The interesting twist on it, it's not a traditionally done documentary. It's more animated. It's an animated documentary. Um, so a lot of the interviews and scenes you see, you know, are redone as animated stuff. So basically, say if me and you were doing a documentary right now and the conversation we're having, I would just animate you talking and also the stuff you're describing what's going on animate as well. And I feel like it was a good way to tell a story, particularly because usually documentaries are used to seeing, you know, footage over and over again. This kind of, it drew me in more. It being colorful, in a way, being animated, and it made me pay attention more, even though the story is kind of dark. It's about, um, like I said, it's about this man and his family's a refugee, so refugees from Afghanistan. It's about their journey going from Afghanistan to Russia. And it's not just that. It all, he's also dealing with the issues of him discovering himself sexually and reveal, finding out he's a gay man. You know, it. he talks about those little things as a kid, like, oh, he used to wear his sister's dresses and didn't think anything of it, you know, all towards his attraction to men. And it came, and it was really touching at the end because when he finally reaches, you know, the rest of his family, because they all got separated, they finally reaches the rest of his family in um, Stockholm. He is there with his brother and his two sisters, and he's like, like, why don't you have a girlfriend? Blah blah blah. He's like, I don't like girls that way. And the movie basically ends part part partly with his older brother just taking him to a gay bar and saying, We always we always knew. Which I feel like it's a wonderful touch. And I think just it worked for him. It, I think he felt it more because when you go through all that stuff, like becoming a refugee, trying to find a better life, you know, willing to sacrifice everything you have to enter and find a new country, find peace and hope to all those other minutia about who you like, who you're sexually attracted to become secondary just to know that the person, my, the person I love survived and is here, you know? So I thought that was a good story to tell, like in the midst of it all, like family is the most important thing, no matter what. So I honestly recommend it. I'm happy it got picked up by Neon too. You know, Nikolai Kozawaldo and um, Riza Ahmed were producers in this. So, oh. yeah. So I'm I'm happy. You know, it got picked up. Hopefully, it'll be actually airing in theaters or digitally. You know, because Neon is the same company that picked up uh, Parasite last year. So hopefully, it'll mm. you know reach and get worldwide acclaim the claim it deserves. So. That's cool. Yeah. Would you rate it anything if you could rate it? I would rate it an eight out of ten. Um, just just for the depiction of that journey, not just his whole experience as a refugee and him living here, but also that experience of him. It's a really unique, a, a really you don't really see a lot of anime documentaries, to be honest. So that's and and I think that helps in keeping engaging because some documentaries it just drone drones on and on where you just have it as room noise. But this one, because of the, the context and the story, it had my attention for a, a long time. Yep. Good. <laughs> okay. What did you watch? <laughs> Or your favorite I, out of it. Well, thank, you, thank you for asking. Guys. Um, <laughs> I watched... <laughs> I watched First Date. 
uh, directed by directed and written by Manuel Crosby and Darren Knapp. Yeah. Um, starring Tyson Brown and Shelby Belusco. Yeah. I think she's Latina. I don't know. Anyway, so first date is like I would describe it like Tarantino for teenagers. Like it was very um yeah, it was very like uh fast paced, lots of action, solid comedy. It was like a Tarantino and like super bad combo. I don't know, it had that sensibility, that like awkward teen, a little bit raunchy, but like these other side characters who make it so funny. Like basically this kid is try- is trying to go on a date with this girl he has a crush on, but he doesn't have a car. So he has to go buy a car from this shady dude and then just chaos ensues. But after what, I was like so excited watching it because it was, I don't know, it was just so entertaining. And I feel like most films right now are focused on like very serious um, social problems, like human character like analysis of like really dark stuff but like this was just hilarious like I was I was laughing I was like yelling at my screen because characters were being stupid but also like I was on the edge of my seat I didn't know how they were going to get out of the situation I really didn't so I like that there were stakes and that you can feel the stakes and this is like a movie that these guys made, I don't know, barely any budget. They still were working their full-time jobs when they made this film. I watched the Q&A with them afterwards and like literally there were multiple people doing multiple, like the same people kept coming up and up and up on the, on the credits. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you did hair and you did cater, catering and you also directed and you were also an AD. And it's just like, the, there were just like five guys just doing the same things. Um, getting their friends and like partners to like contribute food and like the actors were doing their own makeup like it was very very indie in the sense of like everyone just had multiple jobs but it looked really good Um, again I think the characters were the best part of it Um, the dialogue was most some of it was like made up some of them were just like improving stuff I know they did some rehearsals and stuff, but some one character was just like coming up with stories on the spot and they just took it. They just were like, yeah, this will this will be in the movie, like whatever. And I thought that was amazing because it was so like you wouldn't have known. Um, that's how good these actors are. And I haven't even seen them in anything. I know Tyson, who plays the main character, this was like his first speaking role, but I, he was like perfect for what <laughs> this role required. He was like awkward and he didn't like say much and but it was everyone was so eccentric and crazy and fun and so I just really really enjoyed this movie and I don't know I think that it was just so cool that they were just like yeah we're gonna do this we'll get an all hands on deck approach of like making this movie and for it to be as action-packed as it was it's interesting that this was indie because like you need like a lot of stuff and time and rehearsals and stuff to kind of pull off the stuff that they were able to do. So it was pretty awesome. Can't lie. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So what's your overall rating for it? What are your expectations going forward with it? Do you hope it gets picked up or? Yeah, I don't think it's been picked up by anything yet. Um, It was a part of the next program. And um, my expectations were met. They were actually exceeded because I didn't really know what to expect. I was like told to just pick some movies and I had to like scroll really (laughs) through all of the descriptions to see like which one seemed at least somewhat appealing and I didn't have time to research or whatever. So I was just like, yeah, this one has a black lead. I'll do it. (laughs) And it did not disappoint me. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed that they set up stuff and they paid it off. That's my favorite. If everyone could just do that and it seems so simple, but there are so many times when that doesn't happen. Just if you set it up, follow it through that's it that's all i ask and they did that perfectly so i'm gonna give this like for a first feature first time actors i think first time directors and screenwriters i'm gonna give this like a nine out of this was a really solid first attempt like i'm very impressed I, so i always love you know i mean even though we're not there yet making uh, you know, films that are at Sundance. I always love, and I'm always inspired by those, you know, those micro-budget films that somehow get selected. Because, like, the idea of making a micro-budget film seems so daunting because you're literally, it's like you and three friends and you're trying to make a movie and you're trying to make it as best as possible and still dealing with life. It's Mm -hmm. always impressive when they always make it that far especially for the next program i know now with the next program they're trying to reach out more to those micro independent people who are doing more feet full-length films so i do think that's a good step forward in getting that talent and finding their mm-hmm. big break in that you know yeah. series so yeah yeah Okay, so moving on we watched some short films yeah i don't did think you we... watch any ones that were different than the ones that was it different? Yeah, I think I think we, I did because you know, given the the time process, we did find out we could walk, go to Sundance, like you said before. A lot of the films are <laughs> we were in a hurry, so some we some, were in a hurry. We were in a hurry, you know. <laughs> Look, this was a blessing this guy. They found out about this last minute, so the fact that we we're able to even do this Sundance and watch some films was enough. But mm-hmm. um, the ones I I, don't, I think the ones you saw I couldn't get into because the screenings were full already. Um, the one oh. I watched was it's interesting. It's called White Wedding. Um, mm-hmm. it's a short film, like 10, 15 minutes long. It's, it was mostly about um a biracial all lady getting married in like a typical tense southern wedding, and it just by happen chance her father, her estranged black father, is um his band is performing at her wedding. And how it how it starts out is is really odd because the mother is in shock like she screwed up the whole thing and the mother is trying to massage this thing um, to make it sh- make sure the bride isn't aware and before the bride even becomes aware she's talking to these um people about the wedding and if you watch the movie predominantly all the cast is white except for the bride and the man who plays her father so I think that's really important to identify but when she's talking to these two white people they ask oh where's her dad and she kind of describes him as a deadbeat um mm-hmm. 
but as the film progresses, it's uh, interesting. The bro- mother actually gives a speech saying, um, she's impressed with her daughter's choice in men and she's happy because her parents never appreciated the, the men she liked. And so that lets me understand it was never the fact that her father abandoned her. It was the family never liked him for him being black, you know? Um, and it's and it's amazing to watch in the movie because you don't really even they don't even show her talking to her grandparents either. Or her grandparents characters who would play her grandparents aren't there. And I thought that was a key, very important thing. And when the bride is actually um she actually ends up dancing with her father because her father requests to dance when he finds out. And she goes on to tell him, um, my mother didn't make a mistake. I specifically ordered, told her to book this band without her knowing that it was your band on purpose because I wanted you to see me at my happiest on my special day and for you to know I'm happy without your involvement at all. And and I, I like, watching the whole movie as a cohesive piece and, like, there's so much more story that they could pull from that, just from the audience only seeing hear it, audience only hearing the fact that her mother says like the, the bride runs away and is in tears, but she's nervous about meeting her father. Like the bride does not hear her mother mention the fact that her parents never appreciated her taste in men. So there are so many other layers I feel like could be pulled from just this 10 minute movie to pull out longer and I can't wait to see what the people behind us do it do go forward. Um it's created by Melanie Rocher. Um it's not her first project actually she's currently working on a feature film I think called The Big The Great Choice. She's worked on Christine, Great White Creative Control, and she was also one of the line producers of HBO's The Jinx. It was a miniseries. Um oh, wow. okay. so yeah she's an amazing talent. And I feel, uh, hopefully going forward, she gets more opportunities to show her creative touch and shows what else she can do with this short. So, yeah. I'm impressed. I'm blown away. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, I... Oh. <laughs> I didn't even get her last name. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I watched three short films. Mm-hmm. And I won't go super into depth about them just because I would encourage people to just watch it when they when it comes out or if it gets picked up. Yeah. But the first one I watched was like the ones I used to know, um, which is a film out of Canada, but it's French. It's a French film. Or they're speaking French in these that's the main language that's so like been used in the entire movie. Quebec. Yeah. Not Quebec. Yeah. Quebec? Yeah. Yeah. French, Canadian, however you want to yeah. mix it up. <laughs> um, and it's about this dad who comes to pick his kids up um, during Christmas, like in the 1980s or something. But the way it was shot was like so realistic. Felt like it was handheld most of the time. Um, but just the production design and, you know, the way that the camera moved, it felt very, it felt like it could have, been made in the 80s even though it was made like what last year or whatever Mm -hmm. but um it was a yeah i really liked this movie because it was just as a child of divorce (laughs) (laughs) i definitely had this these kind of dilemmas when your parents are like separated and it's during the holidays and you want to be with family but it's complicated and the mom was remarried and it was just like it was a lot but very well made um, I, I believe. 
and really interesting. And I loved, and it felt so heartwarming at the end of it. Like I really enjoyed it. It was made by a woman. Her name was Annie. Didn't catch her last name. Her first name was Annie, um, which was really cool. I watched um, a movie called Double Speak, directed by Hazel McKibben, about a young woman who is trying to kind of figure out her next steps as she addresses sexual um, harassment or assault in her workplace. And if you watched The Assistant or you heard about The Assistant that we reviewed last year, um, it was it wasn't this exactly, but it had the same type of tone of a young woman just trying to find some type of justice for the abuse that is like that's occurring in her office and occurring to her. And I don't know, I was pissed off because they were like men trying to like run this <laughs> like discussion of like what are the next steps? And I'm like, well, are you actually gonna get it? Probably not. So. It was frustrating, but I liked it. <laughs> I liked I liked the I like what they brought up and how you can feel like the fear and the discomfort that a young woman would have from a very older man giving her unwanted attention. And I do recommend that. Mm. The last one I watched was The Criminals, which was a French, Romanian, Turkish mm. film. It was like I think it was either in. Turkish or is it Kurdish? No, that's Kurdistan. I don't know. It was it was from the Middle East, mm. so uh, <laughs> that's what I don't exactly know what language they were speaking, but I think it was that. And directed by oh, I'm gonna mess up this name, but I'm gonna try. Sir Hot Paralan, maybe. <laughs> um, it's about these two college kids who are just trying to have sex. But they're living in, you know, they are living in a society or in a system where you can't even, like, rent a hotel room if you're not married. So they're trying to, like, find ways of, like, just getting a hotel room and, like, getting busy. And then, you know, they have to lie and do all this other stuff. And it was interesting because I wouldn't think, I don't mean, I mean, obviously, I don't know that much about Middle Eastern culture. but it's funny how that those traditions really don't change and that you have to go to these extremes to just like do stuff like that. <laughs> and you could like get arrested for like <laughs> trying to do, trying to, you know, get down like normal stuff, normal, whatever. Yeah. It was really interesting. Cause I was like, Oh, yikes. Like I, <laughs> they're taking this very, very seriously, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, the thing about all of these short films is that they're so well done and put together that you kind of expect there to be more. Like, you kind of want to see the full version of whatever these stories are. Yeah. But the fact that they're able yeah. to accomplish so much in, like, 15 minutes or less is incredible. Like, yeah. what? These movies were so good. I was like, yo. It's, it's not am just... Am I, like, a short film fan now? Am hey. I a fan? Because... <laughs> Look, it's to me. It's not just that though. It's the amount of emotion they're able to get out of you in that short time frame. Like one of the other mm -hmm. movies I watched that stuck with me was called, um, I think it's called a conversation. Let me see if I can pull a name up. Um, a, con a concerto is a conversation, and it's kind of about 
of this black man is speaking with his uh, 91-year-old grandfather. Um, and it's just them talking and tracing the family from Jim Crow, Florida, to the grandson being out performing at the Walt Disney Concert Hall. And in watching that for like 15 minutes, I got like emotional, not because, not just a story, but it's something I wish I'd got the opportunity to do, do with my grandparents before they pass. It's like, I have all this equipment and that's the one thing that I forgot to mm. do is those things from these short films that are somehow able to draw you in and stick with you is amazing in a way that I feel like most big budget uh big budget feature length films can't do in the same way even though even though it might be on the same subject matter sometimes you know so yeah and i think it really i think this is actually even more impressive because you really do have to trim the fat and really get to the the point when you're doing a short film yeah so the fact that they were they're able to do that and then also pull off so much emotion and have really interesting characters and, and tell human stories is like, that's so dope. Everyone who made anything in this <laughs> joint, like whether I saw it or not, it doesn't matter. Like I 100% have faith that it was amazing because people are so talented. Like you were saying before, the amount of talent that is out there mm -hmm. is insane. Like it's so, it's so much. And sometimes you don't even hear from these people again. Like, you might not even have any awareness of, like, what they're doing in, like, a year or so. But they're talented people out there. Some of them are more talented than people who are, you know, yeah. most revered. Yeah. Um, so. Just looking at this film festival this year with the selection of movies that they picked, um, I do think, personally, it's... It was, I think it was a conscient, a conscious effort by the selectors to put forth more human films in a way. Like, I think what, I, what I've been realizing now with the direction we're heading and how we're going as far as culturalizing our mediums, I think us being locked up in the house for the past year, going on a couple months now has changed the way we value human interaction and emotion. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of noticing that in the amount of small films coming out, like you got, for example, you got Malcolm Marie coming out. was just about two, a husband and wife and they're somehow figuring out the issues and the movies that these film festivals are selecting. I feel like everybody's under the same creative direction almost. So, yeah, I can't... I want to see if that trend continues going forward, coming into, you know, the next film festival, or with TIFF, or with Tribeca, see if they follow those same footsteps as well, because it looks like this is the next big trend for filmmakers to key, on, key in on for this time right now. Yeah, and I was really impressed by the amount of women who were directing and writing films in this. We just watched the award ceremonies yeah. the amount of women who are winning these awards for their movies is like amazing the amount of black stories that have been told judas and the black messiah premiered at sundance yeah so but in addition to that so many others have come out um and then also because sundance is in um where is it in i was about to say ohio that's not true utah utah yeah <laughs> 
the one state, <laughs> Utah. <laughs> that that state. Yeah. Um, where there are obviously a lot of Native Americans, and so there were a lot of Native American stories that were out, and they made it a focal point to like feature a lot of their short films and segments and highlight some of those creatives who are from that background mm. and culture. So that was really cool. I just love the amount of diversity that was in it. I think. Yeah, they made. I think they made a key every time a from a film aired. They always they always made sure to mention not just the natives from that area that sundance area but also they always said has something to do with honoring the native people from wherever wherever you are watching as a fan or wherever these films are made and i I think that's a good purposeful effort on their behalf because honestly those filmmakers from those native american tribes are usually really ignored like those creatives are usually ignored yes. by the masses for the most part mm-hmm. yeah. True. okay so we do have news mm-hmm. <laughs> oh you want me to do it okay oh no do you want to go over the, do you want to go over the awards winners or what do you want to do you want to sure. talk about who got picked up we'll, we'll just do who got picked up um okay yeah so of course i did mention before that flea did get picked up picked up by neon um yeah uh it did it made its debut here at sundance but it was also a selection of cans last year and it was a seven figure sum undisclosed um together together was ed helms film um it was a comedy it got picked up by bleaker street um, mm-hmm. for North American distribution, um, and it played in the U.S. Dramatic Competition. Nick Cage, you know, he's back doing, you know, art house films and whatnot. Um, that was released by RLJ Films. You have the Jockey, which was picked up by Sony Picture Classics. Is um, it's basically a horse racing drama. The biggest winner out there was Arcoda. Um, it was about yeah. a girl who can hear her family's predominantly deaf. That got picked up by Apple for um, twenty, I think twenty five million. Yeah, and it was more Eek. than the seventeen million set last year by Palm Springs that aired on Hulu. Um, even though I personally wasn't a fan of you know Palm Springs, but hey, that's why I'm just a critic. <laughs> just by the way. <laughs> 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 Um, the documentary on Alvin Alley also got picked up on by Neon. Um, mm-hmm. Most Beautiful Boy in the World got picked up by Juno Films. Uh, Glitch in the Matrix. Um, it was it's a documentary kind of exploring the idea on the Matrix, basically the digital life, and embracing uh, that whole tech ideology. And it kind of views itself as a religion in a way that got picked up by Magnolia. So a lot of a lot of films that are interesting in a way that I don't I didn't expect to get picked up did get picked up like I really didn't expect Nicolas Cage to get picked up but I guess it got picked up because it is Nicolas Cage in a way <laughs> yeah that might um, have been the only so yeah a lot of a lot of good films came are coming out of Sundance you know that would yeah. be making our way all um, the light everywhere yeah so yeah it was a simple man yeah um there, we can talk about the winners for yeah. sure. 
Um, the film festival. Mm. The biggest one, as you said, was Coda, which is about um, a young girl who are, is born of deaf parents. Yeah. And it was directed by a woman. She also won big. I think her name is Sion. And it's so, like, interesting to me that these films are, like, I don't know. I think that it's interesting that I, that these, that they're talk, they're tackling subjects that we really don't see that much. Like, I mean, I don't think I've seen, I think I, what the sound of metal did something similar where he's going deaf. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I like that they're now trying to integrate situations and people who have largely been ignored. They haven't really been explored in any real way, like in any human way on screen. So the fact that they did that was so dope. And I don't know. I, I'm excited to see it. I can't believe I missed it. Yeah, I think for me, when I tried to do it, it was full. I think that was full. Simple Man was full. Oh, okay. Like a lot of the ones I, mm-hmm. I was kind of looking toward were full. And the thing is just before we even announced the winners, just looking at these winners, none of the like major films that premiered there won an award. Like that's impressive. That that's impressive in, in itself. That's like so Judas and the Black Messiah didn't win. You know, Tessa Thompson didn't win for Passing. Like, her and Ruth Nega. Like, a lot of those big films that you thought would win an award preparing at Sundance did not win. So. And maybe that's, like, how they do it. Yeah. Maybe they're really focused on, like, the indie films. Because they know that these other films will probably get picked up. Mm -hmm. And that the people who are in them probably get um, recognition from the bigger academies so but it, maybe, uh, maybe cuz i know well i i think probably that's i think that's a purposeful effort on behalf, the behalf of Sundance that i think tip not tip um Tribeca as well cuz i know at Venice and um at Cannes even those big premiere films are even up for every award almost so that probably you're probably right it's a more focused effort from Sundance to give yeah. those other films that aren't in the spotlight more attention so yeah. yeah because i because i think can and venice they're like setting you up for the award season so mm-hmm. whatever they decide to do are the people who are gonna like mm-hmm. get it when they go to the academy and to golden globes and stuff so i think i like that this one and probably tribeca and a few others are really actually focused on like smaller filmmakers mm-hmm. to give them like a head start so they can continue like getting offers and you know getting finance to be, to make whatever they want to make which is Really cool. Mm. Love this joint, man. Love yeah, it. Loved it. Cool. But uh, you know who else won? Mm-hmm. Questlove. Mm-hmm. I was so excited about that. Yeah. What? I didn't even know he made anything. I was shook. Yeah, he won. He was more shook, but I was. <laughs> he won what the the jury grand prize for a U.S. documentary. So for Summer of Soul. That is so dope. So yeah. Don't no, you shouldn't box. No. Don't don't put credits in just that. You know, a particular box. Everybody. I didn't gets even. Flags. Yeah, I didn't know that he was a. Fil- I didn't even know he was making anything. That's yeah. why, like, I didn't even hear anything about that. Yeah. So I was like, "What? What's love? Come on, that's awesome." Yeah. I I think that's just. I love that he didn't know that he was entering anything. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I think." Oh, I thought that was a thing. I think he was kind of shocked when they announced him as the winner during the. The prize giving ceremony. I don't think he expected it either. But he won two awards. Like, oh. So I think he won for US. He won, I think, Audience Award for US Documentary and Grand Jury Prize. So, and to win the Grand Jury Prize, that's the big, big award for your category. So 
you know, yeah. yeah. Hopefully it gets picked up when we see it on like Hulu or, you know, BET or something. I hope so. I want to see it now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, um, going through the, sh- the shorts category, you know, Wiggle Room won for Best Acting, um, Screenwriting went for The Criminals, um, Souvenir Souvenir won Jury Award for Animation, Nonfiction went to Don't mm-hmm. Go Telling On Your Mama, which... When I saw it, I was kind of interested in seeing it. But once again, all these movies are usually sold out, so you can't. Oh. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Bam Barak won international fiction. U.S. fiction with a touch on Master Sandwich. In itself is an interesting story. Um, and Lizard won Jury Grand Prize. Do you want the next category? Do you want to talk about that? Award win or? Oh, you don't have the list? It's okay, I got you. Don't worry. Yeah, like, where did you find the list at? I was like, I'm trying to go off memory here, and I'm like, uh... <laughs> I kept track. I kept track. I kept track. Um, That's smart. So the next award, the next award for those young, up-and-coming filmmakers is probably sponsored by Adobe. Um, My Mama Bella, My Beauty won, directed by Aaron Hill. Innovator Award went to CryptoZoo, um, directed by Dash Shaw. Um, World's Cinema Documentary the Grand Jury Prize in a birthday filmmaking went to President by Camilla Nelson. Grand Jury Awards, um, Impact for Change, Riding with Fire won that. Directing Award went to Sabaya. Grand Jury Prize, of course, went to Flea, which, like I said, got picked up by Neon. The Audience went Award went to Riding with Fire. Um, World Cinema Dramatic went to Luzu for um, Special Jury and R- Acting. Special jury, special jury Award for Creative Vision went to One for the Road. Directing Award went to Hive. Grand Jury Prize went to Hive. Audience Award went to Hive. So Hive just said, I'm going to just take all these awards in World Cinema Genetic. <laughs> Documentary, of course, we said Quest won both Audience and Grand Jury. Um, the Grand Jury Award for Emerging Filmmaker went to Cusp, directed by Parker Hill and is Elizabeth Bettencourt. Uh, nonfiction experimentation went to all the light everywhere, um, which is a movie I still want to watch. Hopefully, I can watch it. Yeah, it somehow. Um, editing award went to um, Christina Mawani and Rebecca Aldorno for Homeroom, and the directing award went for Natalie Almala for Users. It was dramatic, of course. Mm-hmm. Audience went to Coda. It was a, the darling of the festival. Um, Grand Jury award for acting went to Clifton Thomas for Jockey. The Grand Jury Award for Best Ensemble, of course, went to Coda. Uh, the Walt Salt Screenwriting Award went to On the Count of Three, directing Coda and Grand Jury for Coda as well. So Coda dominated that U.S. dramatic spot and Quest is, yeah, it's just swept. Left. So, yeah, it looks like it's, hopefully the rest of these pictures get picked up and people are going to be able to give them a chance to experience them outside of, you know, Sundance. Or maybe they'll go forward and Tiff didn't get picked up or Trebek and tip and picked up. So we'll see how that goes from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's it. Our experience. How was your experience? How did you feel overall? It was fun. I mean, you know, I think I, it was fun getting an opportunity to watch films. I traditionally won't get the opportunity to watch in theater or on TV. Um, because like you said before, a lot of these films you don't really have to, you don't really get the opportunity to find out about 
to watch them anywhere once they leave the festival circuit. That's kind of it. Um, it was fun. I mean, even the experience when you told me, hey, we might be able to watch Sundance. I was like, ah. I was like a little kid in the candy shop. <laughs> And I was, like, already looking up what movies I wanted to watch. So even though I didn't get to watch the movies that I had already heard about and wanted to watch, I still enjoyed getting an opportunity to watch all the other short films that came, not just short films, but all the other features that came out as well. And I found some hidden gems that I enjoyed watching, so. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, I couldn't believe when this <laughs> when this opportunity showed up. I was like, yo, this is incredible. Because I feel like, you know, before coronavirus, we were able to go to some of these art house movie theaters and, like, see movies that we probably would have never seen had it not been for this podcast. Mm-hmm. But, and because of coronavirus and lockdown and stuff, we weren't able to do that. So this was like the first opportunity I felt like I had again mm-hmm. to just enjoy movies that I would not have normally watched. I mean, I, the last foreign film I had seen before this experience was Parasite. So it was really exciting to just watch some foreign movies and to watch upstarts, first features, short films. Like It was just really cool. And I know how much I love independent movies and I haven't been able to see a lot of them. Because they are at these festivals that you usually have to travel to and go see and or be invited to to come to the festival. So the fact that we were able to do this was dope. But just the excitement of being a part of this little community and like actually being, I don't know, a cinema student again and just like watching and learning and seeing what other people are doing and see what else is out there and being inspired to just like go out and make something. Like, I don't know. That's how I felt after watching it. I was like, yo, I'm about to, I need to write another script. I need to yeah. figure out some way to you gotta, you gotta, something. You gotta open, you gotta It's open, just so inspiring. Like, open that notebook. You, know, you, so, script. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta open a notebook of scripts, man. But yeah, no, I They just doesn't feel like there are any excuses. Yeah. yeah. Just go out there and do it. Cause so many other people are like, you know. So. I mean, I know you spoke about, you know, called uh, COVID and stuff. I think, you know, before all this happened, we were planning to ourselves to go to our local Atlanta Film Festival. And I think we all were kind of soured on the idea of it being all virtual. So we just like, you were like, you know what, never mind. Because I think we had an idea, part of the, ex- we, I think me personally, I initially had the idea of, you know, going to a film festival is going to the film festival, you know. Right. And I think this kind of, flipped my mindset of not just thinking about going but also watching the films so you know Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to hopefully you know even if you know we get vaccinated or whatever and we're unable to we're able to you know go to can't go to new york for tribeca or toronto for tiff we can at least participate virtually hopefully we get this opportunity again to enjoy cinema from those bigger film festivals so i had fun good experience so Um, if you guys get a chance, watch all these movies, form your own opinions, and let us know what you think. Yeah, I know. I, I feel like you guys might be tired. You've heard it's just like you're going to be a second time hearing us this weekend. Come Monday, come Tuesday, you're going to hear us again. So, 
Oh, it's the best season. It's the, it's the award season. It's the award season. And you know what that means? That that means that we're getting all the good stuff. I this is my favorite time of year. Really? Believe it or not. I mean, it's a little <laughs> different now because it's all virtual. So it's not great. But it's still my favorite season. It's my favorite holiday. It's award season. So <laughs> I'm excited. We're there's a lot coming down the pipe. So strap on your seatbelts. It's gonna be our ride. And we got, you know, all these major high-end box office smashing black films coming out this month. Oh, black it's the History best month? month of the year. It's the best month of the year. It's black. It's still black history. So we're black, black. Yeah, black, 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 black. But yeah, this has been Dale. I guess we're at the end of the show. See y'all yeah. next week or Tuesday. Or whenever you're listening. Tuesday. <laughs> All right, au revoir.